I want to see a people of God captured by a vision of God and every place that we are at that people know there's something different about that person's life. They're not like everybody else. They are red hot spiritual. Welcome to Moody Presents. I'm your host, John Geiger, and you just heard Dr. Mark Job, our teacher, who is also the president of the Moody Bible Institute. Now, I'm sure you've noticed that the spiritual temperature of our culture is, well, lukewarm at best. So today, we're going to dig into Romans 12 for some insights on how you and I can have what Dr. Mark Job calls a red-hot faith. Pastor Mark opens with a classic story from real life today on Moody Presents. This summer, I rented a car, and I was driving to my mother's house, who lives in a town outside of Santander, Spain. And as I drove this car to her house, we had luggage, and we unloaded the luggage, parked the car, went upstairs. The next morning when I went downstairs to use the car, it was a rental car, I went to try to start the car up, and it wouldn't start. And I thought, great. I just rented a car, and now it doesn't start. So I called the tow man. He got there, and he checked the battery. And then he told me that he checked the alternator. And he said, well, the battery was drained, but the alternator's good. I think I left the the lights on when we were unloading the luggage, and it drained the battery throughout the night. But he said to me, all you need to do is take this car on a half hour to 40 minute drive. You need to drive kind of fast. I was happy to oblige him on that. And he said, in 30 to 40 minutes, your battery will be recharged. Now, those of you that know a little bit about cars understand that the purpose of the alternator is to recharge your battery while you're in motion. If the alternator did not exist, your battery would be drained, and when you went to turn on your lights or start the car, it would not work. So the alternator works out of the energy of the movement and rotation of the tires that helps to recharge your battery every time you're in motion. Hear me well. Our spiritual life is that way at times. Unless we learn how to recharge our spiritual battery while we're in motion, some of us will get up one day and try to turn our spiritual ignition on and not get any movement to it. Our spiritual life needs to make sure it has a spiritual alternator that recharges our battery while we're running. Now, the second law of physics is called the second law of thermodynamics. I'm not even going to ask to see if any of you know what the second law of thermodynamics is because it's been so long that you were in a physics class that I'm sure most of us don't remember. But let me refresh your memory with what the second law of thermodynamics says. Everything in the universe is running down, running out of energy, and becoming less organized and more disordered with time. That's the second law of thermodynamics. In other words, if you get a car and you push it, it'll go for a while, but it'll run out of energy. If you take a baseball and throw it, it'll go for a while, but it'll run out of energy. 
The law of physics says that everything runs out of energy and everything loses power and everything becomes more disorganized as time goes on, stay with me, in a closed system. In an open system, it means that there's a new surge of power that's invested in it that gives it a new push forward. Unless you have an open system in which your spiritual life is re-energized, you will run out of spiritual strength or spiritual battery if you're functioning on your own power without the infusion of new power on a regular basis from on high. I don't happen to believe in burnout if our spiritual alternator is working well. I don't believe if you do a, a lot, you, you get burned out. I believe you get burned out when you're not recharging your battery the right way. And so today I want to talk to you really about how to keep your spiritual battery recharged as you're serving God. To do so, I want to take your attention to Romans chapter 12, and I want you to look for a moment at Romans chapter 12 and what the Apostle Paul was telling a group of believers who was having a difficult time keeping their spiritual energy alive. I believe, by and large, we live in a culture that is spiritually lukewarm. I think we live in a culture that's religious but lukewarm. I think if you were to shove a microphone in people's face and ask them, do you believe in God, that 98% of the people that you interview would say yes. I believe if you shove a microphone in people's face and if you ask them if they go to church, I believe that most of them would say occasionally. I believe if you put a same microphone in those people who say, I do believe in God and I occasionally go to church and you would ask them, what difference does your spirituality make in the way you live your life that most people would not be able to give you a clear answer? Because lukewarm spirituality does not change the way we talk, does not change the way we think, does not change our parenting, our marriage, our lifestyle, our vision, and our direction. Only red-hot spirituality can do that in our lives. Lukewarm spirituality makes us feel good that at least we believe in God, but doesn't touch us to change our life. Lukewarm spirituality makes us feel like we have someone to go to in times of trouble, but it doesn't touch us deeply enough to transform us and change us. It's light spirituality. Enough to have someone to go to when our kid is in the hospital, but not enough to make us change the way we live. Lukewarm spirituality is the temperature of the culture that we live in. If your life is going to change and you are going to make a difference, it'll only happen with red hot spirituality. How many are with me today? Let me tell you something, I have no desire, I have no desire at all to try to build a church congregation that has lukewarm spirituality, no desire. I wanna see a people of God 
captured by a vision of God, empowered by the Spirit of God with red-hot fervency in their life, the kind of red-hot spiritual fervency that makes a difference in the community that we live and every place that we are at that people know there's something different about that person's life. They're not like everybody else. They are red-hot spiritually. Romans chapter 12 talks to us a little bit about how to maintain that spirituality, that red-hot faith as we are serving God. And so I'm going to read a few verses, and then I'm going to stop and make some comments about those verses, and I want you to follow along with me as we study this passage. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Rome. It's the mega center of the world, the cultural center of the world the economic center of the world. It's where the emperor lives. And in those days, they said all roads lead to Rome. And so the apostle Paul is writing to the church that's in Rome. And he tells them in chapter 12, he starts off by telling them, do not be like everybody else. Do not be conformed to this world. But he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can't be like everybody else around you. You have to be different. You have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And as you're transformed by the renewing of your mind through the word, then you'll be able to present your lives as living sacrifices unto God so you dedicate yourself completely to God. And then he goes on to describe our service and tells us how we are to serve God and use our gifts for God. In verse three, he says, for I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. If you're taking notes, write this down. How to keep your spirit red hot using your gifts. Number one, resist pride as you remember where your gifting comes from. The Apostle Paul is talking to these people and he says, hey, we are to submit our lives to God. All of us are to use our spiritual gifts. But I want you to remember, he says, for I say through the grace given me. Paul says there's a grace that's been given to me. What's the word grace mean? The word grace comes from the word charisma. In today's society, when someone is a popular person and has an attractive personality, we say that person has charisma. Or we say that person is charismatic. But in a theological sense, that word charisma means favor, unmerited, undeserved favor, a gift from God. So the Apostle Paul says, I say by the gift given to me by God to everyone who is listening to the church of Rome, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. What Paul is saying is that every one of us has a gift. We all have been given a measure of faith. We all have been given a gift. But never start thinking that your gift gives you a reason to be proud because your gift has nothing to do with how good or how bad you are. Your gift is a talent, an ability, a supernatural calling that God has given to you that's a gift. You don't merit, you don't deserve it, it doesn't make you better or worse, it's just a gift that you receive and God 
expects and wants you to use the gift that you've received. Let me explain that. I believe that everybody in this auditorium that's a follower of Jesus Christ and has the Holy Spirit inside of him, I believe that you have a gifting, a call, a purpose, a design for your life that you are to fulfill that is bigger than yourself, that affects other people, and it's a design and a gift and a calling given to you by God. I believe that the moment that you are saved, give your life to Christ, that the Holy Spirit energizes whatever gift and calling you have. I believe that some people discover it and some people don't. You say, Pastor, I have no idea what my gifts are and what my call is. It doesn't mean you don't have it, though. It just means you don't know it. More about spiritual gifts as today's message unfolds with Mark Job here on Moody Presents. You know, one of the great things about a Moody education is that students leave here with a strong sense of their own spiritual gifts. I encourage you to check out all that the Moody Bible Institute has to offer as we prayerfully provide training in God's Word. Our website is moodypresents.org. That's moodypresents.org. Now, back to today's message with Pastor Mark Job here on Moody Presents. There's two spectrums. Some people, God starts using them, and they start utilizing their gifts, and they get all proud and puffed up. And they start thinking, wow, I'm really something. Look at what God is doing through me. I really have some special gifts. I'm really talented. Good thing God has me on his team. (laughs) And then there's other people at the other end of the spectrum that walk around with their head down, looking at their feet, and they're saying, "I I don't have anything to contribute. I'm not smart. I can't speak. I don't have any gifts. I wish I had some gifts like other people have. I just don't have anything to offer. I'm a nobody. I'm a nothing. In one corner, we have someone that's puffed up and proud. And the other corner, we have someone that's been lied to by the enemy that thinks they have nothing to offer. And what the Apostle Paul says is, I want you to think soberly. In other words, I want you to have a clear mind about your gifting. I don't want you to become proud. And I don't want you to buy into the lies of defeat Because the gifting that you have comes from God. And if it's a gift, you can't be proud of it. Hello? There's nothing to brag about because it's something that God has given you. And so therefore, understand, humbly understand that what I have comes from God. And I give him the credit and the honor and the glory. And by the way, I think that goes along with our measure of faith. I believe that God has given some people a measure of faith to do certain things. And you can't be proud about the faith that God has given you. It's a gift that God gives you, a measure of faith. He gives some a lot. He gives some a little bit. But we have to point to God ultimately and say, thank you, God, that you've given it to me. Number two, you need to keep in mind that we are interdependent and connected to one another. Notice what he says in verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Notice what he says here. He, He refers to the church as the body of Christ. 
In this image of the body, Jesus Christ is the head, and we, the people of God, we form the body. Some people are toes, some people are fingers, a lot of people are mouths, very few people are ears. We form the body of Christ. Jesus is the head, we are the body. It says there are many members, one body, but all the members do not have the same function. The healthy body has many parts that function differently, and we're not all supposed to try to be the same part. In Corinthians, the apostle Paul talks about people. He said, what would happen if everybody said, I want to be an eye? You're a toe when you say, I'm tired of being a big toe. People step on me. I'm down here in the dirt and the mud. The other toes stink. Man, I want to be an eye. Everybody looks at the eyes. They paint the eyes. Everybody focuses on the eyes. They think the eyes are the best thing. I wish I could be an eye. I'm tired of being a toe. And the hand says, you know what? I'm tired of being a hand too. I mean, I got to do all the messy things. You know, last week I had to clean the toilet. Man, was that a nasty job. That eye, the eye just sits there, looks pretty. They just look around. You know, they, they got the easy job. I got the nasty job. I want to be an eye too. And let's say the foot, the leg, the mouth, the ears, the hands, everybody said, let's be an eye. And the apostle Paul says, if everybody were an eye, think about it. We would say, there's Joe. And Joe is just one big eyeball rolling down the aisle. We'd say, that's a freak. It's a freak of nature. Where's the hands? Where's the legs? Where's the ears? You know, you can't just be one eye. Listen, it's the same in the body of Christ. We can't all be one gift. We all have different gifts. I've been into some churches where it seems like the church tries to make a preacher out of everybody, and they think everybody's got to be a preacher. And I'm, I'm going to say no. Some people have the gift of preaching or teaching or encouragement or healing or prophecy, or helps, or administration. There are a lot of gifts within the body, but we don't all have the same gifts. We have a variety of gifts so that we can be healthy as a body. By the way, I want to say, I really appreciate being your pastor. I receive a lot of encouragement, uh, partly because I'm on the platform, and I'm a visible face of this church, and I'm the senior pastor of this church. And so people, when they want to thank the church, oftentimes will email me or Facebook me or Twitter me, and they'll say, thank you, pastor. That was a great message. Appreciate the church and so forth, and, and, and will give words of encouragement. I also get negative words occasionally, often, pretty regularly, but I get a lot of encouraging words as well. But could I tell you this? Thank you for that, because it really means a lot to me. I've, I've had tough days where I just, that word of encouragement means a lot. But I would encourage you as well to shift your encouragement, not just to the person that's on the platform, but to shift your encouragement to other people that work behind the scenes that almost no one ever says thank you to. There's some woman right now in the nursery holding a little baby and loving on that little baby and holding a baby like I don't know how to hold a baby. 
and, and, and really caring for that baby who's serving God with an incredible capacity and allowing you as a mother to have a break and listen to the word and experience the word of God and let God touch you because she is utilizing her gift. And listen, seldom does anybody say, thank you for taking care of my baby. You know, there are ushers that we have in the back that serve faithfully every week. They come, they come early, they seat people. And the only time someone notices the ushers is when the usher says, hey, you can't seat there. I can't say it where. I've always sat there. You know, this person's sitting in my seat. Could you please tell them to get up and get out? Don't they know it's my seat? And the ushers get a lot of backlash and people that don't. The only time ushers get noticed is when they have to sort of bring order and say something. But you know, I'm wondering when's the last time someone's gone up to one of the ushers and said, thank you for serving every week, man. You are a real encouragement. We have 120 volunteers that serve in the children's ministry. When's the last time you've picked up your child and said, you know, thank you for watching my child. You know, we have people that serve in the parking lot, even when it's raining, when it's snowing, when it's hot out, you know, they don't take a break when there's snow. They serve out there in the middle of the cold and they just serve. And I'm not sure there's a lot of people that say, hey, you know, thank you for serving in the parking lot. My point is this, that the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians that the gifts that seem lesser sometimes are more, and the gifts that seem more sometimes are less. So I want to make it a point. We as a body of Christ, we are going to be a grateful people, encourage anybody that's serving behind the scenes. Amen? So we are a body. We are interconnected with one another. And you may not understand how important your gift is, but when you stop using your gift, someone suffers. Let me give you an illustration. Maybe you're here and you have the gift of encouragement, but you've been saying all the time, I don't want to have the gift of encouragement. I want to sing. I mean, he's got a guitar, he looks so nice, put together and sings, and he encourages you, I want to sing like that. I want to play the guitar and sing like that. I'm going to audition to sing. And so you audition to sing, they listen to your voice, and then the worship leader says, you know, bless you, brother, you, it seems like you have a good heart. <laughs> but you probably need to, like, look at serving, have you ever considered the children's ministry? You know, some people are like me. You love to sing, you got a voice, but you need to stick to singing in the shower. You know, that's, that's the best place to sing, you know. I, so that person with the gift of encouragement that signed up for the, the worship team kept saying, I want to sing like that. I want to be up there. Then you get all mad. I want to be a worship leader, a singer. If I'm not going to be in this worship team, then my gift of encouragement, I don't even like it. I'm going to sit in the back of the church until someone gives me an opportunity to sing. And so you come in every Sunday, you're kind of mad, you're kind of huffy. They're not even making me a backup singer in that worship band. And so you sit in the back, and little do you know that Tom walks in that Sunday. And he sits two seats next to you. What you don't know is that Tom has struggled deeply and severely that week. In fact, he's had flashes of suicide go through his mind. He's so dark, 
so depressed, so discouraged, that he's wondering if life is worth living. He finds himself going down that dark hole and he comes to church and the worship is going, but he's not into it. The preaching's going, but it's not connecting. What he really needs is someone with the gift of encouragement to put their arm around them and to let them know, hey, hey, fight for you. I'm in your corner. I care about you. Hey, something can happen. Don't give up. What he needs is you. But since you have, well, since you're boycotting your gift, You've decided you're going to go AWOL and just sit there with your arms crossed because you can't sing on the worship team. You have just robbed this body of your gift of encouragement. And guess what? Tom's going to get out and leave this place. And what he really needed was not a message from Pastor Mark and was not a song. What he really needed was your gift of encouragement, but you chose not to give it to him because you undermined your gift. Because you looked down at something that God had given you and you wanted to be an eye instead of an arm. And you see, the whole body suffers when you choose not to use your gift for God. We are the body of Christ. Every one of us with a gift. We're going to learn more about these gifts and how you and I need to use them to keep our spirit red hot when we get back together next time. Meanwhile, though, you can hear today's program again when you head to moodypresents.org. That's moodypresents.org. I'm John Geiger. Join us next time for more of Mark Job on Moody Presents, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.